Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Hello, dear family. How good to be with you. It's always good. It's a privilege. It is um, the grace of God that we could be together like this. I'm so thrilled. And every day that our world gets worse, I am more grateful for the freedom we have um, to be over the air, to connect, um, and to love our Lord Jesus Christ to be his, to have faith. It's a gift. Sometimes I get emails and letters from people who don't know how to maneuver through these awful times and they're depressed. Don't be depressed. If you're depressed, it's not of God. If you are discouraged, it's not of God. And you know, if something's not of God, if something hits me or attacks me or whatever it is, I don't Stop to figure it out. Is it the devil? Is it the flesh? Is it God? I don't do that. If it's not of God, we know that. And discouragement is never, ever, ever, ever of God. Depression is not of God. If it's not of God, I don't bother to figure it out. I just throw it away. Get out of here. I'm not interested. And I go forward. So there. We need to do that. If I sound like I have a bit of a cold this morning, it's just... Probably, I don't know what I do, but I I hear the way I sound. So don't worry, I'm terrific. Absolutely terrific. I'm not sick. I'm grateful. Um, And you know, gratitude, um, gratitude replaces everything. If you're grateful, you can't be sad. If you're grateful, you can't be angry. If you're grateful, you can't be depressed or discouraged uh, or anything. If you're grateful... um, And you say, well, how could you be grateful in the midst of what's going on? Because I have God, and he has me. What else? We don't need anything else this side of heaven. Nothing else. Faith is a gift, and it's there's no greater gift in the world than faith, than life in God. What could be greater? So, during this Lent, um, I have picked this book for us. I've shown it to you before, Victory Over Vice by Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who is up for canonization. Um, I, as far as I'm concerned, he's a saint. Every word he says here is gold. And I've said the last few days, I'll read the first um, paragraph of the back cover again because it sums it up. Fulton Sheen claims <clears throat> that since all seven deadly sins led Christ's enemies to nail him to the cross, we can find in the example of his suffering and death sure means to overcome each of those sins, plus the key to understanding and to nurturing in our own soul each corresponding virtue. So, I want to be more aware of the seven deadly sins, how they um, crop up in our lives, and uh, the virtues to, to fight them. Because you can't have one uh, and the other at the same time. Um, And so we have been reading through this, and the third word from the cross is um, uh, our Lord's words to 
his mother. Woman, behold thy son, and son, behold thy mother, in the Gospel of John, chapter 19. And surprisingly to me, Archbishop Sheen picked the vice of lust, L-U-S-T, for this deadly sin. And that could only come from the people who may have heard him and were jealous, uh, lusted after that. So we read half of this yesterday, and I'm going to continue the other half of the vice of uh, the description of lust um, today. But I need to back up a little bit just to get a little context. So Bishop Sheen says, why did our Lord choose to transcend the laws of nature? The answer is very simple. Original sin. Well, let me back up one paragraph here. Our Lord began making reparation for lust, for that deadly sin, for every sin, at the first moment of the incarnation, for he chose to be born of a virgin. Why did he choose to transcend the laws of nature in being born of a virgin? The answer is very simple. Original sin has been propagated to every human being from Adam to this very hour, with the exception of Our Lady. The prolongation of this taint in human nature takes place through the carnal act of which man is the active principle, for man was the head of the human race. Every time there is generation of one human being by another, through the union of men and man and woman, there is the propagation of original sin. We can do nothing about that, beloved. The problem, Bishop Sheen says, confronting the second person of the Blessed Trinity in becoming man was how to become man without, at the same time, becoming sinful man. That is, man infected by the sin to which all flesh is heir. How to become man without inheriting original sin? He had to be a true man in order to suffer for man. But he would not be a sinful man if he were to redeem man from sin. Throughout the whole Old Testament, dear ones, it was only the blood of a perfect animal without blemish or without spot that could atone for sin. And again, they couldn't atone. They only pointed to the one who would atone. How could he be both man and yet sinless? He could be man by being born of a woman. He could be sinless man without original sin by dispensing with man as the active principle of generation. In other words, by being born of a virgin. Thus, it was that when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that she was to conceive the Messiah, whose name would be called Jesus, she answered, How can this be done? Because I know not man. Mary had made the vow of virginity, and she intended to keep it. The angel answered that the conception of the Son of Man would take place without man, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who would overshadow her. Being assured of her continued virginity, she accepted the motherhood of God incarnate. Be it done unto me, said she, according to thy word. The motherhood of God incarnate. People say she's not the mother of God, she's the mother of Jesus. Well, Jesus is God. She is the mother of God. 
So it was, Bishop Sheen says, that reparation for sins of the flesh began the first moment of the incarnation through the virgin birth. That same love he manifested for virginity in the beginning. He re-echoed in the first sermon of his public life. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. Later on, when some scribes and Pharisees sought to malign his good name, he challenged them to find anything impure in his life. Quote, which of you shall convince me of sin? End quote. The final atonement and reparation is made on Calvary, where in reparation for all the impure desires and thoughts of men, our Lord is crowned with thorns, where in reparation for all the sins of shame, he is stripped of his garments, where in reparation for all the lusts of the flesh, he is almost disposed of his flesh. For according to sacred scripture, the very bones of his flesh could be numbered. We are so used to looking upon artistic crucifixes of ivory and the beautiful images in our prayer books that we think of our blessed Lord as being whole on the cross. The fact is that he made such reparation for sins of the flesh that his flesh was torn, his blood poured forth, and scripture refers to him on the cross as a leper, as one struck by God and afflicted, so that there is no beauty in him, nor comeliness that we should desire him, that we should be desirous of him. That's from the prophet Isaiah. Our Lord chose to go even further in reparation for the sins of lust by dispossessing himself of the two most legitimate claims of the flesh. If there was ever a pure and legitimate claim in the realm of the flesh, it is the claim to the love of one's own mother. If there is any honest title to affection in the universe of the flesh, it is the bonds of love that attach one to a fellow man. But the flesh was so misused by man and so perverted that our divine Savior renounced even these legitimate bonds of the flesh in order to stone, pardon me, in order to atone for the illegitimate. He became totally unfleshed in order to atone for the abuse of the flesh by giving away his mother and his best friend. So to his own mother, he looks and bids farewell, woman, behold thy son. And to his best friend, he looks and bids farewell again, behold thy mother. To his best friend, the disciple John, who leaned on his breast at the Last Supper. We can't, we can read these words, dear ones, but we can't even begin to fathom what our Lord went through. We cannot. We cannot. We only know that we personally killed love. We nailed love to the cross because of our sins. And he went to the cross willingly to die for them, to die for us. We'll never understand it, dear ones. There's the music for our first break. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll free, 1-877-5483. 
We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustained life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. The iCatholic Radio mobile app is two apps in one. Your place to hear great Catholic programs and music. Here's what listeners are saying about the updated iCatholic Radio mobile app. Through the iCatholic Radio app, I have listened to the sermons and teachings several times. The effect has been a deeper understanding of my faith and Catholic tradition. This app has truly been a blessing in my life and has increased my faith. With the new app, you can choose to listen to our programs like Mother Miriam Live or The Catholic Current whenever you like. But you can also switch over to the best in contemporary music by Catholic artists. We even bring you hours of Gregorian chant every Sunday morning. If you do not currently have our app, download it to your iPhone through the Apple Store or to your Android phone by going to Google Play and searching iCatholic Radio. The updated iCatholic Radio mobile app, your one stop for great Catholic programs and music. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Us, How good to be with you. If you are joining us a bit uh, later, then uh, just to um, uh, reiterate that we are uh, reading the first half of each program through Archbishop Fulton Sheen's book, Victory Over Vice. It's published by Sophia Press. And um, uh, again, our Archbishop Fulton Sheen has um, attached one um, deadly sin to each of our Lord's last words on the cross. In other words, he said that it's the deadly sins, our deadly sins, that put him on the cross. And so for each last word on the cross, he has um, matched a deadly sin and uh, a deadly vice, the seven deadly sins, and shown us the opposite virtue and how to nurture that in our souls. And right now, we are on the third word of the cross, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother, from the Gospel of John, chapter 19. And Bishop Sheen has attached the deadly sin of lust to that last word, um, which uh, he... um, uh, 
has described that all those, which is us, who put our Lord on the cross, it's those deadly sins that put him on the cross. And anyone who listening, listening to his giving up of his mother, giving up of his flesh, all of that um, might have responded with lust. Um, And so, Bishop Sheen, I'll continue with this. How different from the world... A mother will deprive her son of an advanced education in a foreign land, saying, I cannot give up my son. A normal mother today, she'll deprive her son of an advanced education in a foreign land, saying, I cannot give up my son. Or a wife will deprive her husband of good material advancement uh, through a short absence, saying, I cannot give up my husband. These are not the cries of noble love, but of attachment. Our Lord did not say, I cannot give up my mother. He gave her up. He loved her enough to give her away for her life's plan and destiny, namely, to be our mother. How was a love that was strong enough to forget itself? No, I'm sorry. Here was a love that was strong enough to forget itself in order that others might never want for love. He made the sacrifice of his mother so that we might have her. He wounded himself like the pelican so that we might be nourished by her motherhood. Mary accepted the poor exchange to carry out her son's redemptive work. And at that moment, when Jesus surrendered even the legitimate claims of the flesh and gave us his mother, Mary, and his, and his best friend, John, selfishness died its death. Two lessons are to be learned from this third word, from the cross, that the only real escape from the demands of the flesh is to find something more than the flesh to love, and that Mary is the refuge of sinners. If we could ever find anything we loved more than the flesh, the demands of the flesh would be less imperative. This is the escape a mother offers her boy when she says, don't do anything of which your mother would ever be ashamed. If there is that higher love of his mother, the boy will always have a consecrated sense of affection something for which he will be willing to make sacrifices. When a mother makes such an appeal to her son, she is merely echoing the lesson of the Savior, who in giving his mother to us as our mother, equivalently said, My children, never do anything of which your mother would be ashamed. Let a soul but love that mother, and he will love her divine son, Jesus, who in order to make satisfaction for the unlawful pleasure of the flesh, surrendered us, surrendered to us his last and lawful attachment, his mother. The psychology of this enthusiasm for a higher love of Jesus and Mary is an escape from the unlawful attachments of the flesh. Let me read that again. The psychology of this enthusiasm for a higher love of Jesus and Mary as an escape from the unlawful attachments of the flesh is thus. 
By it, we avoid undue consecration on lower loves and their explosions. I've been thinking reading through this. I hesitate to stop because we won't get through it um, in this segment. But uh, how often um, young people date and say they love each other and yet are utterly devastated when one or the other may choose religious life. When a woman and a man, young lady and a man, are dating and the gentleman decides that he is called to the priesthood and he goes into the seminary and she goes into anger or just deep depression and sorrow, um, she says, I can't live without him. I'm going to tell you, if that's the case, you cannot live with him either because you love your need for him more than you love him. There's too much attachment there. And a love that cannot let the beloved go is a selfish love and an unhealthy one. If we love someone fully, we love them enough to want God's best for them and to let them go and to, uh, to have detachment. If you marry and you don't have a certain sense of detachment from your beloved, if you depend on them for your very life, you're not going to help them get to heaven. Your need is too great, and you will not fully love them as God would have you to love them. You have to love them enough. If you're engaged, you need to love your fiancé. You need to love him or her enough to be able to let them go. Otherwise, you don't love them enough to marry them. You need to love them enough to leave them in the hands of God for what's best for them, even if you are not best for them. Otherwise, it's not love. Otherwise, it's lust. It's attachment. It's selfishness. There's no human being alone who can give us a reason to live, who can fill the needs of a human heart. Only God can. And unless we are attached to God, not any human being, we cannot give ourselves fully to another human being as our mother did to give her son away, as the son did to give his mother away. That is love, to detach from the beloved in order to do God's will and what is best for them. The psychology, I'll reread the sentence, the psychology of this enthusiasm for a higher love of Jesus and Mary is an escape from the unlawful attachments of the flesh. As an escape for the unlawful attachments of the flesh is this, by it, we avoid undue consecration on, sorry, I, I keep messing that up, by it, We avoid undue concentration on lower loves and their explosions. Think about your mouth for five minutes. I read that right. Think about your mouth for five minutes and you will have an undue consecration of saliva. Think about your heart for five minutes and you will believe you have heart trouble. Although the chances are nine out of ten that you have not. Stand on a stage and think about your hands, and they will begin to feel as big as hams. The balance and equilibrium equilibrium of the whole system is 
disturbed when an organ is isolated from its function in the whole organism or divorced from its higher purpose. People who are always talking, reading, and thinking about sex are like singers who think more about their larynx than about singing. They make that which is subordinate to a higher purpose so all-important that the harmony of life is upset. But suppose that instead of concentrating on an organ, one fitted that organ into a pattern of living, then all then all of the, sorry, all the uneasiness would end. The skilled orator never forgets his hands are awkward because being enthused about his speech, I'm sorry, boy, I'm making one mistake after another. The skilled orator never feels his hands are awkward because being enthused about his speech, he makes his hands subordinate to their higher purpose our Lord practically said the same thing. Be not solicitous what you shall eat. So it is with the flesh. Cultivate a higher love, a purpose of living, a goal of existence, a desire to correspond to all that God wants us to be, and the lower passion will be absorbed by it. The church applies the psychology to the vow of chastity. This psychology to the vow of chastity, the church asks her priests and nuns to surrender even the lawful pleasures of the flesh, not because she does not want them to love, but because she wants them to love better. She knows that their love for souls will be greater as their love for the flesh is less. Just as our Lord died on the cross for men, because he loved his own life less. I think about women who want to enter religious life, and maybe they've been previously married, maybe they're annulled, maybe they're widowed, and they have children, and they come, and they think about it, and they say, no, I I can't bear to be separated from my children. They're too needy. They need me too much. Well, the truth is that that mother needs the need of her children too much. Because to enter religious life is to be detached from their neediness so that um, you can offer them true love, which you cannot do if you allow that unhealthy attachment. And by entering religious life, you give your whole life and your life here, your life uh, in religion, your life from attachment through 24 hours of giving yourself up. We don't pray 24 hours a day, but every act one does in religious life, even if it's washing windows, uh, is multiplied in merit for salvation because it's in the context of giving your entire life away. So those who say, my children need me too much, when they're grown children, when they're married with children, those mothers need the need of their children for them too much. It's not healthy. Um, and that, it, that involves lust. You're not able to detach. So, my dear ones, 
we have to end there. There's the music for our second break, and I will take your calls, your emails, your texts. When we come back from the break, our lines are wide open. This is the perfect time to call in. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. In the New Testament's first letter of St. John, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, we read, And we have this confidence in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in regard to whatever we ask, we know that what we have asked Him for is ours. It's incredible to realize how much God loves us, what He has promised us, and what He'll give us through our trust in Him. Have you prayed for the Station of the Cross today? We would be grateful. If you would remember us each day in your prayers, whether it's the Most Holy Rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, the Liturgy of the Hours, the Most Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, or any other prayers you pray throughout the day, please also pray for the intentions of your fellow Catholic radio listeners. It's so important for us to remember to keep one another in prayer. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. This is our half hour together, and I, I, it's my favorite part of the program. So the lines are wide open. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Never has to be what we're speaking about. I always say that the, the, heart of, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart, the matter of your heart, whatever is on your heart. Feel free to call in, and the toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the And I'm always reminded to um, give the uh, the URL, the website for uh, lifefunder.com, um, the, um, the life funding, the campaign that um, LifeSite News has so graciously set up for us. 
um, with the goal of 200000 um, for our new home. We already have title to that house, but we're already out of its walls. So we are looking for a larger facility until we can build something. And so um, I just took a peek. I take a peek once a day when we come on to Mother Miriam Live because it reminds me of it. And we are 30% to the goal, which is really wonderful with 30 days to go. So um, if you'd like to be a part of that, um, I go and read the comments once a day. I just wish I could answer you all. I love you all. I hug you all. I thank God for you. And the uh, the uh, website is life, L-I-F-E, funder, F-U-N-D-E-R dot com, lifefunder dot com forward slash, then the initials of our community. Uh, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, D for Daughters, D-O-M-M-O-I-H. So um, uh, we are thrilled, we are grateful, and we love all of you who have already contributed. We love you who haven't contributed, but um, it's just so wonderful um, to know that um, you're with, with us in this venture for the salvation of souls and the restoration of the family, the number one urgency for today, the restoration of the family, <clears throat> God's number one instrument to build his kingdom. Um, we have a call f- um, from Mary in Massachusetts. Hello, Mary. Good morning, Mother. It's so good to talk to you. And I, I thank you for ahead of time for all the wonderful information you pass on to us and, and solid information. Oh, bless but you, anyway, Mary. My question is, I right right now I'm, I have three blessed relics, one from St. Anthony and two from Padre Pio. Wow. It's not anything I've been sent for. It's just stuff that comes in the mail, and I don't know what to do with it to handle it properly. Wow. In the mail, relics are probably third class. Maybe they've been touched to Padre Pio. Does it explain that at all? That's what it says. It says in touch to a first class relic. Well, this one I'm looking at is for St. Anthony of Padua. Yeah, it's from Padre Pio. Oh, how beautiful, how beautiful. Well, um, you can just put them in a, a special place. You could put them, there are little relic holders uh, that you can display at a... Um, on a holy table or a shelf. Uh, You can keep them anywhere you wish. You don't have to display them. But um, uh, they they communicate the grace of that saint to us. And so when you're praying to St. Anthony or Padre Pio, um, you can hold their relics, kiss their relics, it it's it it, it 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 to a degree <clears throat> it makes the grace of that saint present because God works through that. Um almost, you know, if uh, I know a, a Protestant who who fought with me about relics and all of that, and, and she said I, I you know, that it, this is idolatry, and I said, just a minute. And I went to her home, and she has an entire wall of what we would call relics. A, a piece of her uh, little son's hair, when now he's married with children, but she kept a lock of his hair in a little box. She pasted it on the wall, pictures of her mother on the wall. This She's got a whole wall full of memorabilia. And I said, that's what relics are, you know? And I, if I had a picture of my mother, uh, which, which I do, I could take that picture and I could say, Mom, I love you. And it's the sense... Uh, just the sense of her presence. So uh, relics give us a greater 
um, presence of that saint because they're from that saint and there's a there's a grace communicated so you can uh, Mary uh, blessed be God that you have them you can put them anywhere you wish I wouldn't throw them out for sure but you can put them anywhere you wish and pray to those saints um, since you have two of Padre Pio, if you know someone in great need who would do well to pray to Padre Pio, you could make a gift of one of those if you wish. Um, is, are there, is there a question beyond that you have in your heart? No, that's all. You, you, you've been so, it's so helpful. I, I never thought of, of, of what you would explain to me, so it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, Thank oh, you. wonderful. And if you have a little prayer table, keep them there. It's just wonderful. So you can have uh, Padre Pio and St. Anthony praying for you. This is really wonderful. Thank you very much. It's very uplifting, and I appreciate all the information you give us. Thank you, Mary. God bless you, sweetheart. And bless you, dear, and bless all Thank the people you. that work with you. Thank you so much. I'm going to go to an email from Steve. <clears throat> Steve says, good morning, Mother, and God bless you for your work. Thank you, Steve. My question is this. If the Pope is the final authority of the Church, why should Catholics listen instead to the opinions of prominent figures such as yourself, who tend to disagree with many of the Pope's decisions? I love your show, and I've tried to share it with many of my Catholic friends, but there have been instances of skepticism in the past. Thank you. Good question, Steve. Um, the Pope, how do I say this, um, is the final authority of the Church when he speaks what is called ex cathedra or cathedra it's pronounced both ways which means out of the chair out of the chair of peter he is the successor of peter and when he speaks or um, gives to the faithful a matter of faith or morals that is binding or that he would bind on the faithful then he has the gift of infallibility, and it's really not him so much who has the gift. It's the office of the chair of Peter, um, but it is also the one in the office. So the Pope is not infallible. He's not, um, uh, he's not impeccable. Infallibility is not impeccability. He does has, have sin. Pope John Paul II went to confession every day of his life. He does have sin. He does make errors, uh, just like the rest of us. Uh, his opinions are just that, opinions. Um, but God has given to the Pope, to the office of the Holy Father, to the office of Peter, um, the gift of infallibility, which in a sense is a negative gift. When the Pope speaks from the chair of Peter again, something of faith and morals that is binding on us, the faithful, we must believe it. Then it's not that he protects or that he gives the Pope the gift of speaking truth. The gift of infallibility, when I say it's more negative, is that he protects him from error. He protect, if, he, if we are bound to believe something, the Pope is protected from telling us something that is an error. He is protected from proclaiming error at that point. That is the end of it. Everything else, and there's very few infallible pronouncements in 2,000 years that have been binding on the faithful. Very few. I don't know how many, but few. So when the Pope says many things... Um, 
when he advocates uh, certain things and doctrines that we know uh, that uh, forget what we know, but uh, cardinals and scholars uh, uh, help us to understand is against scripture, is against tradition, then it's false. Then it's false. That doesn't condemn the Pope. It means that he's not God himself. And he's, he's a human being who God, whom God has chosen for that office. But he can propagate many errors. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, our current Holy Father has, uh, throughout his pontificate, been... Uh, at the very least, uh, very confusing, because much of what he said does go against the faith once delivered to the saints, and we don't know what to do with it. But um, we cannot go against 2,000 years of church teaching. We cannot go against uh, the faith. We cannot go against scripture. In the Arian heresy of the 4th century, um, um, on the nature of Christ, uh, I think just about 98% of the bishops um, went with the heresy that Christ was not fully God and fully man. So uh, there have been times when bishops, cardinals, uh, have really um, uh, adhered to error, but God has always raised up someone. Uh, in that case, um uh, such as Athanasius, to proclaim the truth and to save the church. There are times when um, it was the faithful themselves, uh, the sense of the faithful that saved the church. Uh, we may be in that time today, in a sense, where there are gathering a remnant who see through the errors of today, the um, the uh, how do I? I don't. What do I describe? Um, the overtaking of truth, of holiness, of what God has given, and they refuse to let uh, themselves be taken over by it. There are many good priests, holy priests. We have such a one right here in Beloit, Father Jared Conradi, and um, I hope to have him on the program with us soon, so you can meet him and. Um, He's just a wonderful, wonderful priest, and our bishop, uh, Gerald Vinke, um, I'm going to invite him too, if he has the time to come. It would be so wonderful. We are in the arms of two very holy men, and so we're very, very grateful. Um, they will not adhere to error, and um, that is, uh, it's not rare in the church today, but it is the case that many who do believe are a little shy or afraid and uh, to, to proclaim the truth for one reason or another, and I can't judge their wisdom on that. But um, So Steve, um, uh, the opinions of prominent figures are not the issue. Forget the opinions of prominent figures. Um, they can be good, they can be bad, but it's the teaching of the church that can not change. Our Lord said he will uh, uh, bring his church into all truth to the end of time, and he will do that despite uh, some prelates who uh, go off base. All right, then it could, it could include many popes in the past and bishops and priests and, of course, many lay people. We have a call from Rosa um, in, um, in California. Are you there, dear one? 
Yes, I am. Hi, oh, Mother. Hello. Hello, Rosa. Good to speak to you again. God bless oh, you. Yes. Well, God bless you. Um, first of all, thank you so much for reading um, Fulton Sheen. It, oh. It's... Um, Oh, it's it's very helpful. Um, I do have a question, personal question, but also yes. before that, having to do with Fulton Sheen, so I wanted you to expound on some things. However, I just wanted to throw out there uh, the two callers, um, and I, maybe it was an email and a caller, but somebody had a son who was uh, homeless and somebody 42 else. 42 years old, uh-huh. Yes, and the other with the husband. And one thing that kept crossing my mind as well, not that this is 100%, it's just a piece of a puzzle, is that we tend to completely compartmentalize the idea that if one of our loved ones is on medicine, that that might affect their mental state as well. We, I can hold on if you want. You know what? Good. You hear the music. Very good. Yeah. Um, well, it could affect their mental state for the good, uh, for sure. But um, all right, Rosa, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'm interested to hear what you have to say as soon as we come back from the break. You're a sweetheart. Um, and everybody else, uh, aside from Rosa, our lines are, are open. And so you're welcome to call in during the break. It's a great time. Uh, Toll-free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. We'll be right back after the break. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. You're welcome to call in uh, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. We're on the phone with Rosa from California. Hello, Rosa. Hello, Mother. Hello, sweetheart. Um, Go ahead. Now, you said just before the break you were bringing up... um, uh, people that are on certain medication uh, and the example of a couple of people that called in, but continue. Yes, and I have no way of knowing they were on medication, I'm assuming, because of the mental issues of the one son and then the um, the pacemaker of the husband. And all I wanted to say with that is that in a holistic approach, it's everything. It's, it's the personality of the person, of course. The father knows the son. The, the wife knows the husband. They may have these other proclivities. Things can happen. However, medicines, whether they're psychiatric medicines for mental illness or even blood pressure medicines, um, all medicines have mental side effects because a doctor told me one time, and it made a lot of sense, what you want from your drug is actually a side effect of this drug, of the chemical. It's just the one you want. So of there's course. a lot of uh, unwanted that we we don't um, we don't know enough about or we don't think about them because the personality of the person or the problems of the person just get more amplified and magnified, and yet it could be helping to bring them down, make them listless, make them non-motivated. This can happen. So all I would say to that real quickly, it's difficult for a non-physician or, or healthcare person to get the long list of side effects. And it can sound scary, but if if they can do research themselves on the medications too, just to say, okay, if part of that is, you know, you could get depression or you could get, you know, whatever, it would help them just at least while they're filling up like you were at telling that woman, you know, that part of that we just take personally because it's the person that we <clears throat> married. And really that's that still could be the case but at least it may give her a little ah wait i never thought of that and then maybe that's that's very good rosa that's very good and we can judge whether the side effect is better than uh, the 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 factor without the medication we can judge that but we can also understand that the medicine may be causing that side effect and not blame the person Good. Absolutely. Good, Rosa. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to ask you to kind of expound on, because um, I am in that, um, you know, age group of um, of the baby boomers, really on the on the tail end of the, the younger aspect of it. But, um, and I hear so many women calling, and I'm one of those women, um, and, and what Fulton Sheen was saying about lust. So we mm-hmm. were literally brought up, within the church and outside the church and running off from the church in this 
this um, complete, um, you know, perversion really of of what the truth of reality is. And even if a parent tried to, to tell us, you know, look, there's marriage, there's this, there's that, which made no sense to us. And that was supported by even Catholic schools. You know, it was just, you know, you go out, you do your own thing, sexuality's great, etc. But then we have these things when he's talking about lust, there's also, there was a woman that called last week that was just heartbroken because of a, a, a husband that, that left her and she's in her 60s and, you know, what's she going to do? And, and the problem, though, <clears throat> it, that I'd like you to expound on is this concept of many of us did not have the children we should have had. There are many people, I have, I have a one biological child and I had raised several stepchildren, but but the thing is, is that attachment and how to, you know, and we're thinking it's love and yet when to say how, to, not when, how someone who has not been formed, you know, from the, their mother's womb basically has not been formed in how to approach real love, true love, and you're already 60, 50, you know, whatever. Um, and you've lived through that, you're not going to have a do-over. You're not going to get married and have kids and do it right. So um, oh, there's this huge slew of baby boomer women that are really hurting out there, um, and I'm one of them. And so, you know, this this concept that Fulton Sheen brought out was not only love and how that went with the sexuality and all that, and then with that very last part, and I, I didn't hear all of it, but about the, um, you know, the, the, the idea of the, the attachment of a mother to a child, and now we're talking, I'm actually bringing it into the people who are even could be or are grandmothers, mm -hmm. you know, not so much attached to the little grandchild, but still don't understand the difference between attachment and love because we left our homes and the churches left us, even in Catholic school, saying hook up with somebody. They didn't use that language then, but hook up with somebody. And then you get attached to some 15-year-old boy, you know, because mm -hmm. you had sex with them. And then maybe again when you're 20, and then you you think, oh, now I'm mature. You get married. You marry <coughs> someone. You're off doing what you think is right. And um, then you find that, no, all the pieces were scattered, and most of them were put together, and they didn't fit the puzzle that God had designed, and a lot of them were just left behind. So, You yeah. know, Rosa, most of what you're saying, I'll tell you how it strikes me, that it can be somewhat summed up, not to simplify it too much, in our need to be loved. I think that's what it is. It's our yes, need. Right. It's our need to be loved, and um, I don't know that that could really be solved until someone truly understands that um, the one who knows us best loves us the most. That is God. He loved us enough to die for us. It's not a, just a, a distant story. It's current. It's right. true. And so um, the only way... I'll tell you my personally for those things you're describing. I'm 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 fully human, and through the years, 
um, I recognize my need to be loved in different situations and decisions I make. And the only cure I have ever found is to get myself out of it is to just totally reverse the situation. And the people that I want to be loved by or approved by, I turn it around and I shepherd them and I give to them and I love them because they need the same thing. They're human beings. And so instead of wanting their approval, wanting their love, all of that, I just know that they need the same thing and I'm there to care for them. The healthiest thing that we could all do, and I I know you would second this, is to get out of ourselves, to get out of the disease of that uh, needing so much love, that inability to detach, is to simply, if you go to a, um, someone's in the midst of the family and they're depressed because the family is against them, they judge them, uh, but if you find, that same person will go outside and find a needy child, a little three-year-old who's been abandoned, their whole heart goes out to that three-year-old and they'll pick her up and care for her and get her food and all of a sudden they're healthy. The only way to overcome that two things is to uh, give yourself away to others So you don't focus on your needs, you focus on them, and then your needs will be filled by giving yourself away, because that's the way God has made us. Secondly, I don't care if you're 60 or 160, um, don't live in regret. Trust God that he's given you the hindsight, the information, the understanding. Now, even if you think it's too late, it's never too late. You can't go back, as you said. We can't live in hindsight, but God has given us that hindsight now for a reason. Take it and go forward, God, with all your heart. I know you know it's the end of our program there, Rosa. I love it when you call in, um, and we'll be with you all on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend.